it's time to get a bit messy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football-loving friends from all around the world, welcome to episode nine, the penultimate Getting a Bit Messy show here in the WECB studio this fall. I, as always, am your host for the day, Connor Donovan, joined by my football-loving friends and amazing co-hosts, Nandan Nair and Thomas Pudiak. And we are so incredibly excited to break down this past week of action from the important League and Cup matches happening in world football. Before we get started, I want to take a moment for a quick shout-out to Ryan Schlaud, who runs the show slot after us here in the studio with his Big Sharp Knife experimental music show, where he rotates the genre focus every week. If not for him, we wouldn't have posted an episode last week as I realized on my way home I had sent myself the wrong file and we almost lost all of the stored audio from last week's episode that we all agreed was one of our best right after we were done recording it. So if you have some time, stick around after our show tonight and listen to his show where tonight's genre is modern jazz. I personally can't wait to tune in on my bike ride home tonight. Anyways, thank you again to Ryan from Big Sharp Knife WECB for being my hero last week and fixing my rookie mistake by sending me the right file. With that being said, this week's episode is going to be broken down like normal. We'll do the big breakdown matches first to talk about the biggest results and news, followed by our short break before we hop into noteworthy news from around Europe, our honker of the week coronation, and finally, our predictions at pace for this week's upcoming slate of fixtures. I will admit this week is probably going to feature more Premier League focus as the festive fixture period means that we are now getting matches both on the weekend and in midweek when the Champions League group stage finishes this week. But don't worry because we still have plenty of other stuff to cover as well from world football. So with that being said, Thomas, Nandan, are you both ready to get a bit messy in the WECB studio tonight? Does a cat meow in the woods? <laughs> Absolutely it does, Thomas. I guess I guess so. All right, then let's jump right into these bigger results. Starting off with a small match that turned into a big one between Liverpool and Fulham where it finished 4-3 in favor of the Reds at Anfield. What a game this turned out to be for a team that has struggled for form a lot this season. Damn, Fulham's got some hands. <laughs> Bernd Leno was credited with an own goal after a gorgeous Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick dipped off the bar and off the back of his head into the net. Fulham wasted absolutely no time, however, coming down the pitch and equalizing just a solid four minutes later through ex-Liverpool player Harry Wilson a project that never truly panned out for the Reds, I must admit. Then we had a goal-of-the-season contender if it weren't for Garnacho's bicycle kick and Alexis <laughs> McAllister's half volley from 30 yards out. Sailing it straight over Burn Lano's head and into the net with no bounce, Fulham managed to pull themselves back into the match, however, again before halftime, equalizing 2-2 through a rare Kenny Tete goal. Fulham then thought that they might have stolen all three points when Bobby de Cordova-Reed, who just seems to love a goal against Liverpool whenever they play Fulham, doesn't he? Scored a header at the back post in the 80th minute. However, this is Anfield, and Liverpool do not just lie down and die at Anfield. Wataru Endo unleashed an equalizer into the top corner from the top of the penalty box that gave me Fabinho flashbacks personally and Liverpool followed it up by storming right back down the pitch and grabbing a winner off of a Trent Alexander-Arnold half volley, not even a full minute later. For starters, Connor, uh, I can tell that you genuinely loved writing this up. You got some banger lines in here. I mean, come on, Liverpool don't lie down at Anfield? Jeez. I'll tell you what, you're not wearing a Fulham jersey right <laughs> no, now. No, I'm not wearing uh, a Fulham bright jersey. Bright red of uh, Liverpool, Anfield. Hey, come on, I had to wear my McAllister jersey. Did, did you get, did you get that at, uh, at Anfield this year? I did, year? this, That's this summer when you and I nice. were in Europe, Thomas. Um, I do uh, have to say, uh, this, this game was very interesting in the sense that it felt like a lot of uh, big six rejects came into play in this game. You know, I think we got, we got Burnt Leno, that's a name I haven't heard since, what, 2020, uh, coming in with an error. We have, who else is there? Harry Wilson, another Liverpool reject. Just didn't yep. work out. Yeah, that was just um, never worked out. I think Fulham in general, um, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, tend to give Liverpool a tough time in a lot of these games. Specifically, as you said, uh, Bobby Deckard over Reed. First um, game of last season, if anybody <laughs> recalls. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I will say, by the way, I, 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 uh, Burn Leonard... Uh, Burn, 
Leonard. Leonard. Burned Leonard. <laughs> Who's that? He's a uh, modern jazz musician featured on Big Sharp Knife <laughs> right after this. Uh, Burned Leno. Uh, it, it wasn't an error. It, it was an own goal. But I, I, it, one of the, it's one of those classic. You almost feel bad for the keeper because it, it has to get marked down as an own goal. It shouldn't. What though. is he supposed to do about that? Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know you have some stats about how incredible these goals are. Uh, so I'll let I you do, get to those yeah. in a moment. But yeah, I will. I, I will say Fulham. Uh, they did look. They did look absolutely great. And I was thinking about with with. Leno, how audited it is um, when we think of him uh, in his time at Arsenal. And now, of course, Arsenal are having a dispute. Over, he gets displaced by uh, Ramsdale, and now Ramsdale's not even their starting keeper. So mm-hmm. uh, it really goes to show, when you, you used to think of him as one of those promising up-and-coming German keepers uh, for the future. And uh, n- now here he is. There you say it, <laughs> say it, having an own goal for Fulham against Liverpool. Yeah, which again, can't do much about. No. But um, his fall from grace, I think, is, is very fascinating. He's still a good keeper, to he, be fair. He though. is, but I mean... When you go, but from, he's just not playing for a big six club. Yeah, I, I will give credit to Fulham. Of course, I think they're a little bit underperforming for what they've shown the last few uh, last year and a half or so. And uh, Marco Silva's done absolutely brilliant with his team. Love Marco Silva's true. magic. I, I would like to point out though, uh, they're in twelfth, which doesn't sound great. They are a single point off Chelsea in tenth right now, I mean, and, and they're only about. Uh, there is a little bit of a divide between them and West Ham. There's a clear divide between ninth and tenth there, but they have uh, they are pretty much within that conversation of top ten right now. Arguably, I know twelfth again doesn't seem great, but I think I think they're having a much better season than I think people are really giving them credit for. Marco Silva, I think, has done brilliant with his team, especially when you consider the past couple of years they were kind of jumping in and out of the championship. I think you have to give them a lot of credit. Twelfth yeah. is very respectable. For a that. good consistency to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, one hundred percent. Anyways, Nandan, I don't think I gave you these stats yet, but Thomas, I went over these with Thomas last night. For reference of just how insane Liverpool's goals in this match were, here is the expected goals for each of those shots, indicating how likely the ball was to find the back of the net on that shot. For McAllister's 30-yard volley, that was an XG of just 0.03. Jesus. Wataru Endo's 87th-minute strike from the top of the box had an XG of just 0.07. Oh, my God. And Trent Alexander-Arnold's 88th-minute winner had an XG of 0.08. So so what I'm understanding here is that uh, the three goals combined had a combined XG of 0.18, and all three of those went in. Uh, for context, Nicholas Jackson has had 17 chances of over 0.8 expected goals <laughs> and has scored none of them. Uh, unbelievable. I, I also I would like to give a small quick credit to them. Um, I, was, I was running the stats yesterday. For shots scored from outside the box, all four goals here for Liverpool were scored from outside the box. I actually um, I went back wow. and looked at it. Mm-hmm. Trent's Trent's winner was inside the box ever was so slightly. It? Was it? Yeah. Well, hmm. never mind. I have nothing for you guys. <laughs> Close enough. I had, to, I had to go back and check the tapes was because of because it, of what I thought we were it was right on the about. was it not on the edge or I think when he hit it he was just inside the box. I have no stats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, this is the kind of magic that I feel like only Anfield is capable of producing. Too bad that it was against mid-table Fulham and not a top top six club like saving it for an Arsenal comes to Anfield. Well, it is going to be interesting because they are now joint. They are second. I think only two points off Arsenal, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Yes. And best defensive record. But I, did I see uh, Matip uh, picked up a knee injury? Like ACL. A minis- out for the ACL? ACL. Out for the season. So maybe the last time we ever, we may have already seen the last time that Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip play a football match together. That's a bit of a sad thought. It is a very sad thought. Virgil, that Virgil loves that this. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More than life itself. <laughs> if Matip needs any tips about the ACL, he can hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on from the Liverpool-Fulham game to talk about the drama that unraveled in front of our eyes <laughs> at the Etihad. Thomas, do you want to get us started with this one? Uh, Yeah, sure. So... uh. Holy moly. Uh, uh, Manchester City and Tottenham are currently in a battle to see who can bottle this currently more. Um, uh, at the, you know, this, so of course, this takes place at the Etihad. Uh, three games in a row now without a win for Manchester City. They're hoping to break the streak. This was already questionable as Tottenham are a boogie team for Man City. It does not seem to matter who is the manager, whether it's uh, Conte, whether it's Jose Mourinho, whether it's Poch. Um, 
and Ange Postacoglu adds his name to their uh, to that list. I think uh, Simon Hooper might as well, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, uh, Youngman's son scores against Man City, and holy moly, does he love scoring against them! Uh, I think basically when you think about those Champions League games, you think about those big games, you always think of son. Whenever I see Man City mm-hmm. playing Tottenham, I'm willing to like guarantee that Youngman's son finds the back of the net. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and he loved it so much. He uh, after th- after uh, three minutes of scoring, Man City get a free kick. He said, I'll do it again. Put it into the back of his own net. Not really his fault, much like the keeper. I think it looked it looked just to be an awkward place. A defender probably does better than that, if I'm honest. Mm. But when you have a striker back in the box, you know, that's not really what they're known for. Unfortunately. Hey, he's just got that goal scoring touch. You can't take it out of him. <laughs> can't yeah. So Man City go into the halftime then after some absolutely brilliant, and I would say pretty much quintessential uh Guardiola uh Tiki Taka. Um, absolutely brilliant passing, moving uh, uh, runs. Phil Foden eventually gets in the box, turns it, uh, and scores. Um, then, so you will go in, City's up. You go, can't happen again, can it? Surely not. Um, uh, then, after holding large spells of it, City are looking pretty good. And then Giovanni Lo Celso, who actually I think this is now his second game running with it with another great goal, uh, picks it up. Uh, it's a mistake out the back after some good pressure, and then just drops drops the defender and absolutely puts it into the bottom corner. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I said in this moment, this is starting to feel like that Champions League game, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And boy. Did it because then after about um, after looking a little bit rattled there, Jack Grealish, uh, Jack Grealish, after some great play and I believe is a cutback from Erling Holland, mm-hmm. scores an absolutely good goal. It's a, it, easy to say it's a tap in, but it's again it's a similar Tiki Taka goal. It's just brilliant play. It's one really high up. I believe it was Rodri. No, he was no, injured in this game. He was not playing. It was, uh, was it? Wasn't because now now Man City have gone what is it three four four three, games four without games a win without, now, without a win and game, without which we'll with get him. to later but um, all of them Rodri has not yeah been available I'm, I'm trying to remember someone has an absolutely brilliant tackle uh, um, I thought it was uh, Mateus Nunez but I think might have also um, yeah, actually I think was it was Mateus Nunez and he, uh, got, he was subbed on by this yeah, point in the right, right 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 I think he's picked up a knock recently that's what I was reading and so basically a brilliant tackle wins it cuts back. A classic, another classical, brilliant play, and could you believe it? A 90th minute, I think, I think 13 seconds left of regular time. A cross in for some reason. Uh, Guardiola, Guardiol, who basically had Kulusevski cooked most of the game, taken off in a sort of strange move to mean Ake brought on. I like Ake. I, li- I think he's been brilliant. I think he's looked really good. Does not defend this cross in at Ooh. all. <sighs> Nathan Ake towering. got dunked on. Absolutely, that's the LeBron. I haven't seen the tongue out. Just on. towers over him. Uh, sends it. Hits hits the crossbar. Also, in. also put him on a poster. Of yeah. all of the attackers on that Tottenham squad, how are you going to get dunked on by Kulusevski? <laughs> yeah, all of that? Uh, very shocking. He he doesn't even look uh, to jump. It's just such a hanging. I think he kind of just throws himself I, at I, it. I yeah. think it feels to me like he doesn't he doesn't see. He looks his shoulder at his shoulder, sees him on some distance, and just for some reason doesn't expect him to be contested. I don't know what he could be thinking there, but um, yeah, an absolutely great one. Um, and then some great controversy at the end, which has uh, lost me a prediction point. Yeah, um, yeah. which is the main takeaway. My, my offshore accounts are depleted, but it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the very, very end, uh, Erling Holland picks it up on the turn, gets fouled. No question about that. Gets fouled. Gets up. With the ball, Simon Hooper puts a whistle to his mouth, sees him, gets up, plays advantage. Play, this is an important mo- moment. He does play advantage. He does play advantage. Then, when he hits the ball, or the said vant- advantage, Jack Grealish picks it up. It's a brilliant pass. He's on sides and through on goal. Now, Jack Grealish isn't the fastest player, so say what you want, but it is absolutely an opportunity it's to at- score here. He's already scored it- in this game. Then... Simon Hooper blows the whistle. He blows the whistle after giving the advantage, blows the whistle once the advantage accrues, as you would say, um, and gains the absolute ire of the Etihad, every player. Um, a quite shocking decision. I'll, I'll say in the aftermath recently, uh, the PGMOL has refused to take any form of um, decision. Responsibility. Or res- that's a good word for it, uh, <laughs> uh, towards Simon Hooper. However, but they have charged mm, Man City with failing to uh, have their players conduct themselves in a, uh, in respectful, a gent- manner. And they respectful manner. And they are more specifically fining Erling Holland, Erling Holland as well because, because of his reaction. His, of his reaction yep. on the field and then on Twitter after uh, he quote tweeted 
a video of the incident with WTF, uh, which was very uh, interesting to League's me. League's gone soft, lads. League's gone yeah. soft. League's gone um, soft. Yeah, so that's a bit of a rundown of an absolutely beautiful game. Yeah. Yeah. Which which the the Grealish thing at the end with this advantage, I don't care if Jack Grealish isn't the fastest player no. on this city team. There mm-hmm. is no denying that Grealish is through on goal. Yes. With mm-hmm. a goal scoring opportunity and mm-hmm. you've gone out of your way to now blow the whistle back for an advantage. It's genuinely, yeah, I I, I can't tell you it, it's it's a horrendous call at the end of the day. You can't really call anything other than that. And I think um, it's kind of funny. We we always talk for years now. We've talked about how the refs in the Premier League have sucked, for a uh, lack of a better word. But I think you know it's really bad when even City are starting to get robbed of points from the refs. I think that's how we can gauge that this is really bad. You know what? I'm willing to say it. I say knock it down to 118 charges. <laughs> I think they win one back. <laughs> Um, um, yeah. Uh, what do you think happens in this moment? I mean, it's it's it, what we'll, uh, let's let's I tell you what. Let's talk about this later when we get to honker, honker of the week. Honker of the week because we can do a bit of an extended but, honker yeah. of the week yes. about this. I do have one point to make. Bit of a spoiler for honker of the week. Yeah. yeah. What could it be? So you want to make your point now, Nandana? Would you rather wait until Honker of the Week? Uh, it's more its more of a slight joke I saw on Twitter. All right, so I think go I'll ahead. Say, hit right, it, hit well, it with us now. Well, uh, basically, the reason I, I saw on Twitter was that um, Simon Hooper saw Erling Holland make a pass uh, yeah. and automatically assumed City had lost possession. <laughs> oh, like the just kind of booted it long out of yeah. fresh? Like, no, no, it's yeah. it, it, a dig at his passing because that's the, the whole... So it was somebody on Twitter saying that Holland's passing game needs work. Yes. You get it? You get it now? <laughs> Simon Hooper watched Holland pass the ball and just assumed that City had lost all right, the ball. You know, yeah. it's, it's okay. That, that right. did not land right. well. Anyways, it's all right. we're going to move on from the drama. <laughs> <Leave it to laughs> me. We're going to move on from the drama at the Etihad now to move over to La Liga, where we had a very exciting clash between two teams near the top, not necessarily at the top. That clash was between Barcelona, who hosted Atletico Madrid. A game that I was not not going to lie to you, I was pretty confident when I picked an Atletico win, <laughs> and here we are again. And this is why I'm sh- I should be relegated from the predictions <laughs> at pace that we've been doing. Anyways, Barcelona won this game 1-0, and of all of the players on the Barcelona roster that could have scored the dagger in this game, there is one name on that roster that Atleti did not want to let into their goal. That name is Zhao Felix. The game ends 1-0 after none other than Zhao Felix's first half strike is enough for Barcelona to see the rest of the game out in the second half. Barcelona looked calm and composed at home amidst a run of dodgy form in the first half, but then started to show some signs of slipping up and letting Atleti back into the game in the second half. Yeah, and you know, Connor, Connor, Thomas, I think we've talked about this before. We've talked about how inconsistent Barcelona have been in the past couple games. We talked about the past couple games. They had a bit of a dodgy run, a couple of draws, which I think against the opposition they should not be drawing against. Uh, and so I also thought this was going to end, especially that you look at the history of Barcelona Atletico games. They do in the past have tended to go into these like very ugly, boring like one-one draws or two-two draws. Um, but this was a fascinating game. I think it genuinely it was a statement for Barcelona. I think Atletico Madrid have been incredible this season. They've been doing very well. Uh, there's been a lot of talk from the I think Simeone and the Atletico president in the buildup about Jao Felix, uh, and so for him to go ahead score what was a very good goal, I will yes, say, rounding the keeper, uh, and then and going then to hit him, jumping, hit him with the shoulder shrug, jumping into the stand like into the stands and then hitting the shoulder shrug. Um, it is a statement. I think. They played very well the first half. They should not have let Atletico into the game as far as they did in that second half. Um, but overall, great result. And, you know, I think we'll see if that gives them some extra form going into their next round, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely they're, they're trying to get past those draws a little bit. And I think that uh, that loss to Real Madrid will definitely haunt them a little bit, especially the manner in which they lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big thing that's hitting them is, of course, you, you know, they want to get the results. But um, I, I had been reading earlier today about um, their, their stats. They have uh, won eight games a season by a singular goal, which is, I think, the most they've had ever. And mm. we're only halfway through the season. Wow. Um, uh, 
there is some credit to that a little they're, bit. They're getting wins. If they're but getting they're not the wins, convincing wins. I think, it's not the usual Barca. I think style. if they were winning more games, like if if they were top of the league, I think that's one of those things where you'd say, like, if you look at the Arsenal game, which we'll get to later. We, hey, we will look at it. Um, when you when you look at games like that, you go, oh, that's the sign of champions. These yeah. this mentality is like they grind out games when they need to. I think the big issue for them right now is. They don't need to. They don't need to be grinding these games out, and I, I cannot really figure out why they are. Um, I think the injury crisis probably has something to plan. I mean, you've lost sure. Gavi for the season. You lost Young for a good amount of time. I think they've now lost. I think Kunde was out for a little bit. Yeah. Stegen's going to be out Rafinha for a little bit. was out for a long Rafinha. spell earlier in the season. Mm-hmm, so. Although, in fairness to them, Luminium all absolutely put any kind of doubts to whether or not their <laughs> attack would suffer there. Yeah. I think Lewandowski has been... Mm, poor. Uh, he's been poor, I feel like... He he he! It's it's odd. I've been trying to I've been trying to look at it. Uh, is I feel like his service has been down. I think mm-hmm. I do. I will say I think that's part of their issue with their wingers and midfielders mm-hmm. is, is I don't think it's their goal scoring output that's an issue. I, I you think it's the chances that they're generating that's mm-hmm. the issue? Yes, I think I think they're most creative players. You know, I I know people will always say uh, uh, it's a, I I think it's a terrible argument because I think it's the same issue with why you can, it's hard to analyze like Xavi and Iniesta by mm-hmm. stats directly and why you kind of have to keep coming up with stats to really understand them is they look at their goals, they look at their assists, and they're like, oh, you know, like I think I saw something like. Iniesta only had like 30 goals in his entire career and like like barely more assists, which doesn't sound that great from like a creative midfielder. But and yet he's still one of the greatest midfielders. Yeah, if not yes, and I think the that's the issue time. is like he gets the ball to the assister, which is kind of like the classic kind of Pirlo assist as you think about it. Yep. Which um, I know they count in hockey, and I know that seems like a dumb thing to like kind of point out. But what the issue is if no one's getting if no one is getting it to your creative players. The creativity is going to suffer. There is like right. a whole, there's a whole system that thrives. And classically, when Barcelona, you know, they love their midfield. And when their midfield starts to suffer, I think clearly the system around it is going to find some issues. Mm-hmm. All right. We are going to move back to two Premier League fixtures to round out our breakdowns here. So, like we said, apologies for the heavy Premier League focus, but there's been a lot of games with the festive schedule. So, Starting off again, we've got Luton Town 3, Arsenal 4. And if I am one of the big six clubs that has not played at the Kenny yet, I would be shaking in my (laughs) boots right now. This atmosphere was by far one of the best of the entire season so far, if not the best of the entire season so far, as the noise levels clearly elevated Luton players to a new level against league leaders Arsenal. Arsenal led first through a Gabriel Martinelli goal after he spent much of the first half rolling on the ground like Neymar. <laughs> but then Luton struck back just five minutes later as Gabriel Osho's header found the back of the net off of a corner kick. Bit of a horror show from Arsenal in defense there. Just left him absolutely wide open. Nobody tracked him. A theme for the game. The theme for the game, as we'll note. Gabriel Jesus reestablished the lead just before halftime, but Luton struck back just four minutes into the second half to pull themselves back into this game. And this is where questions should certainly be asked as to whether David Raya could have done more to keep Adebayo out. Completely misreads the cross. Caught flat-footed. There were just like, it was just a pile of different mistakes that Raya made on this play. Um, and then I think my favorite part about it was they cut to the bench and Aaron Ramsdale is giggling on the bench looking at Raya. <laughs> so that was that was a bit of tomfoolery from the camera crew there. Luton fans then let out the most ecstatic roar of the season when Ross Barkley, of all players, scored a birthday goal to put them 3-2 up on the league leaders only to let Kai Havertz come down the other end and equalize it just three minutes later. I'd just like to note, Connor, I think we're seeing a shift uh, in the annual Kai Havertz purple patch. We usually see this right around March. I think it's coming a little early this year. Kind of like the groundhog. I don't know. You're a bit too used to this Kai Havertz purple patch. Oh, I know it all too well, Connor. I think uh, everybody at that stadium was prepared to share the points with a three-all draw. I think looking at that game, that's what felt fair. Luton played out of their minds in this game and probably deserved to walk away with all three points, if we're being honest, but at least a point. And I think Arsenal didn't play that well all game and probably didn't deserve to walk out of the Kenny with all three points. But I think, anyways, everyone was prepared to share those points, myself and my roommate included. 
until a beautiful Martin Odegaard cross found the head of Declan Rice and made its way into the bottom corner for a late, late dagger into the hearts of Luton fans. That was a 90th plus six winner when there were only six minutes of injury time. You know, Connor, uh, this kind of gave me, uh, the, you know what the vibes I'm getting off of this one? This gave me the vibes of the, the Arsenal-Bournemouth game last year towards the end of the season when I think it was Reese Nelson was scored in, I think, the 97th minute to win it. Uh, I got very similar vibes in this game. Uh, and as you said, Arsenal, I don't think they played the best. Uh, in fairness, I think Luton were also just incredible all around. Uh, Ross Barkley in particular, uh, this is something I do They're- feel bad about, is that Ross Barkley, this won't get talked about because they didn't win. Uh, Ross Barkley had that entire Arsenal midfield on skates. Unders, on skates for about 94 minutes. Um, massive credit to them. But at the end of the day... Uh, you have. I think you have to give Arsenal credit. They found a way to win the game, and that is, as much as I hate to say it, that is what champions do. Um, that's, so yeah. that's what I was going to add, is like Thomas said before, is I think what I realized after this game that I was quite sad about as a Liverpool supporter is I was like, oh, Arsenal have the mentality this season to actually make a real title run. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I, I sorry, I was just doing some uh, statistics looking at this, uh, at this game. Um, I completely agree, and it gave me a sort of sense. I will say, I remember during that Reese Nelson goal, I went, oh, they're going to go on and win this, so mm-hmm. I won't speak too early. Apparently, speaking too late into the season doesn't matter either. <laughs> but um, uh, they do have that. It reminds me of when during Liverpool's uh, title-winning season a little was, bit. They would have lots know, of games like you that. You know what yeah. game this reminded me of? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Liverpool-Aston Villa 2-1 where Robertson and Sadio Mane mm. scored in like the 85th and 88th minutes yeah. to come oh, back yeah. from one nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That that season when we won the title, that's mm-hmm. what this game reminded me of, yeah. and that just had that like trademark champion stamp on it. You know? Yeah, I, I wanted to I wanted to bring up this, this was sort of a bit of an anomaly, and I think this is highlighted when we talked about the sort of Raya. Uh, uh, um, Accident, incident, whatever you would like to call it. Every, um, every catastrophe. word in the book every, can be used to describe <laughs> um, what David Ryan um, did. Which sort of shot him about this. Uh, for context there, they've now that's two goals conceded from a corner um, um, in this game, which doesn't seems a little uh, shocking. Like It doesn't seem that shocking initially until you look at some of the stats for it. Um, Arsenal, on average, have the best corners, I believe, defense and offense in the entire league. They, on average, win about 8.4 corners per game. So their offense on corners is exceptional. They have great set pieces. But what's even more impressive is they're they're against. They only, on average, concede two corners. Not not from corners, two corners per game. The next best is actually um I believe Manchester City at four at four at four corners conceded. So double. Mm-hmm. That that's so that's incredibly shocking. Before this game, they'd only conceded a single time from a corner all season. A single time. They and and to do it twice is like actually quite shocking because uh, because of their uh, stamp on set piece. Um I I know I mentioned this uh, off a little earlier. Uh, David Raya and Aaron Ramsdale. I mean, what is what is going on here? It reminds me a little bit of the Onana uh, De Gea situation. Mm-hmm. Of course, they didn't uh, release uh, Ramsdale from from uh, duty. But it reminds me of la- last year. Of course, we can remember some Ramsdale incidences um, where he just wasn't good enough with his feet and cost very costly goals. That is true. Um, so it looks like they were like, we want to, we want David Raya. He's better with his feet statistically. That's true. Uh, which was similar to Onana De Gea cost him multiple times their feet. Not performing just as basic functions a goalkeeper should. Is and he? I, no, and I think it's really fascinating the past couple of years. I feel like we've seen a trend of sorts where it feels like we're seeing a lot more goalkeepers that are very good with their feet, but in contrast have had a couple of like high profile issues with their actual like the essence of goalkeeping um which is really interesting. Yes, I feel I feel like you've had these uh it's become this new system to be able to allow more players as they start playing more out the back definitely. Um they add this extra sort of center back quote unquote using the goalkeeper as this extra player to fill in voids, which is absolutely great. I think the big issue is they a lot of these teams don't have money for like the experts. I mean, um the classic we can all know is like Neuer who's thankfully mm-hmm. made his comeback with Bayern now from injury. Mm-hmm. Um 
Um, but we had Allison and uh, Ederson are probably the two best that are absolutely phenomenal goalkeepers. I feel bad saying that, of course, because it was actually uh, an incident playing out with his feet uh, uh, on the kick that cost him against Man City. Um, but actually watching that game was actually one of the shows of the two best probably goalkeepers flat out and two of the best uh, you know, playing out from the back using the goalkeepers. I but Onan Onan is a bit of an anomaly. Um, the Raya situation, I really, I don't get, I don't get, I don't feel like Ramsdale did anything worth demoting. No. Hey, I've got, I've got something to add to this goalkeeper debate. Okay. David De Gea still a free agent. Let's keep that clock <laughs> ticking. It's still still out David there. De Gea, David De Gea is still without a club right now. Are Are you inferring that Arsenal should get him and add three keepers, or are you just stating that? Listen. I'm just saying that there are goalkeeper issues mm. in this league right now that multiple teams could have addressed prior to the season, and anybody that had goalkeeper issues prior to the season didn't want to take a look at David De Gea. De Gea like United. <laughs> De Gea to Newcastle. Who says no? I actually, what? I will get to that in a little oh. while because I did see that link that now that Nick Pope is injured. I was, that I was, was that what, four months now? Yep. I, I David, was thinking David about De Gea it. is reportedly open to the move as well. I was thinking about it right when he got injured. I was like, oh, they could use a guy like De Gea right and, now. And it's a bit of a shame too because Dubravka is an excellent goalkeeper. We'll get to this later, but uh, um, I think this will be an interesting shout. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have a belter of a match oh, yeah. between Aston Villa hosting Manchester City, where Aston Villa came away from their home ground, Villa Park, not only with all three points in this game against the reigning Premier League champions, but completely played them off the pitch. Oh, yeah. I mean, Emmy Martinez made an incredible double save to deny Holland from close distance twice, and Villa held on long enough in the second half to finally bag a goal through Leon Bailey, who, by the way... I think deserves player of the month just for his performance in this game alone. Looked absolutely mm. brilliant. Mm. Like yeah. that was one of those like streets will remember <laughs> that Leon Bailey game against Man City. I think he saw the the Doku uh, hype and he said, "All right, nah, I gotta turn up." Um, but no, uh, back on to that note. Um, Villa absolutely played them off the pitch. I mean, I think after I saw that after the tenth minute, I think it was when City. It was something along the lines that I think City's XG. From the last eighty minutes of the game was like near nothing, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I've seen a Pep team, let, um, let alone a, Bar- a Man City team, a Pep team, get outplayed the way they got outplayed today. Um, so I would be very worried for Manchester City, but at the same time, hats off to Villa. Yeah, I would like to uh, bring up a little stat here. Uh, 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 the shots in, uh, during the game were actually twenty-two to two. That double save from Erling uh, from Emmy Martinez uh, uh, on there are only two Erling shots Hunt. of the game. Only mm-hmm. two shots of the game. Um, um, other than that, they had z- other than 0. that one incident, zero point zero zero, put up absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, um, absolutely brilliant from uh, from uh, Aston Villa. They never really looked. Even from the first ten minutes, I mean, I mean, they just never looked to be in any form of danger that you might expect to see when playing against a Guardiola side. I yeah. also just a quick note for you guys. I don't know if you remember it, but uh, back in August, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was on one of the talk, the post game talk shows. I think you you probably saw yep. this too. Yeah, I saw this today was, actually yep. as I was preparing. And he was stuff. asked what teams he was impressed by, and this was right after Newcastle five Villa one. Uh, and he said that he picked Villa. He said that Villa were playing very well. They didn't deserve to lose by the margin they did. And he predicted that they would be successful. And they've now gone 15 home games, straight, 15 straight home wins. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I, I have no other... Actually, I, I'll, I say I believe it's 14 home wins. And this is actually very oh. important. It's very important because their next game, I believe, is against Arsenal. 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 And if they win they... it, this would be the first time in history they ever got 15 home wins mm-hmm. because their last home loss Arsenal. was against Arsenal, oh. um, which is a very that's, interesting that's one. Um, another great moment from here. Um, Aston Villa leapfrog. Manchester City. That's right. Aston Villa. Unai Emery's Aston Villa are <laughs> good currently... Evening. Very yeah, good, good evening. evening. Mr. Good evening. Up to third currently. Unbelievable. I think that's the craziest part of this to me is that with this Villa result against City, it's now Villa up to third, Liverpool second, Arsenal first, City fourth, and three points behind Manchester City. Who is it? 
Manchester United uh, are now lurking three points behind Manchester City. Ten excuses. <laughs> brought himself up to a smooth fifth. Crazy. That's absolutely wild to me. Um, anyways, Villa were everywhere in the second mm-hmm. half, especially swarming like crazy and not allowing Manchester City anywhere near the half line, never mind the Villa half of the pitch. <laughs> like it was, it was literally watching this game, I was surprised because it was like boys against men. They just had nowhere to go. Absolutely, Absolutely nowhere. All right. We are going to throw it to our short break now before we come back and bring you guys the noteworthy news from around Europe, our honker of the week coronation, and our predictions at pace, the penultimate round. So don't go anywhere. And we are back in the WECB studio, and it is time to run through our quick Noteworthy news from around Europe. So let's waste no time here. Nandan, you want to get us started with Saturday, December 2nd. 100%. Let's get right into it. So starting off in England, uh, Arsenal 2, Wolves 1. Arsenal played some of the best football they've played all season in this game. And Martin Erdegaard gifted us with another one of his trademark pullback to the penalty spot bottom corner finishes. Unbelievable finish. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Bukayo Saka also had a mazy run in this game. Um, yeah, I, I watched yes. the highlights on that. That was an incredible run by him. Uh, great form for them, and they remain top going into their game against Villa. Brentford 3, Luton Town 1. Brentford found another win amidst a bit of a yo-yo type of form, mm-hmm. a bit of an inconsistent run, uh, seeming to be a streak of, you know, lose, win, lose, win. But they find a good result against Luton. Uh, and moving on, Burnley 5, Sheffield United 0. Burnley, this was a finally, Burn, uh, I don't know if we're, we'd say shock. It's more well, of a battle of listen, worse and listen, worse. I would have expected like a 1-0 Burnley win, in that but sense, not a 5-0. Burnley's fair. not a team hey, that scores 5 hey, goals in a game. They were the best true. team in the history of the cha- championship, and they said, give us the championship. Here we are. <laughs> they finally put one out. Battle of the bottom feeders, you might say. Uh, incredible, <laughs> incredible result for Burnley, putting five past Sheffield, leading United to sack their manager, Paul Heckingbottom, after a result. And guess who they've brought back? If it's not Super the Chris incredulous... Wilder. Woo! Chris Wilder's back. <laughs> Chris Wilder is back in the Premier League, and we are loving it. Mm-hmm. Moving on, Nottingham Forest nil, Everton won. Another tough game for Nottingham Forest, who really should be starting to worry about their current run of form. Matt Turner was brought in to help them stop leaking goals, but the defenders in front of him aren't really good enough at the moment, and they just concede way too many good looks at goal in a game. Everton, on the other hand, are playing some great football and fighting their way back from their 10-point deduction. Important to know, actually, we'll get to that a little later about their deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newcastle won Manchester United. No, that was one of our prediction games. A very huge game, a huge result for Newcastle. It was a very testy back-and-forth game for United uh, with a Newcastle side that's currently ravaged by injuries in very big key areas of the pitch. Newcastle came away with all three points, however, after a second-half Anthony Gordon goal is enough to inspire them and keep a lackluster United attack out of their own end. The only downside for Newcastle, though, in this great performance is that they've allowed themselves to lose their goalkeeper, Nick Pope, for a very long spell with a dislocated shoulder. The big news, though, is that they are eyeing the signing of free agent David De Gea, who is reportedly open to the move. But for now, Martin Dupravka will have to do. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Spain, Girona picking up another great win against Valencia 2-1. Christian Stuani plays hero this time for Girona, subbing into the match at the 75th minute with Girona trailing 1-0 before going on to score in the 82nd and 88th minute to pull back all three points for Girona. Super are- sub, super sub. <laughs> <laughs> A great result for them, still tied with Real Madrid on points at the top of the league but they sit second right now based off of goal differential. Uh, So we will see where that goes for them. Moving on. (laughs) Speaking of Real Madrid, they picked up another formidable 2-0 win against Granada. They have looked incredible at home, and Granada is not an incredible road team. So that (laughs) worked out perfectly. Uh, They dominated the entire game with Brahim Diaz striking the first half and Rodrigo in the second. Uh, The only surprise in this game is no Jude Bellingham goal. He's uh, saving two for the next, I guess. Yeah, he's just saving them for the Champions League. He's Don't saving worry them about up. him. Moving on, Osasana won, Real Sociedad won. A very, very weird draw for Sociedad on the road this season. A little worrying. It's not the first time they've had a bump in the road this season in the league, 
But as we've said, they seem just fine in Europe. Absolutely. So. That's probably where they're going to be putting their uh, attention Most of here. their efforts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most likely, yes. Moving on in the Serie A, Lazio won Cagliari nil. Lazio finally got back in the win column in Syria with a lot of help from a first-half Antoine Macumbo red card. Kyrie battled well but couldn't have overcome the man-down advantage and fall 1-0. Moving on, AC Milan 3, Frosinone 1. Milan getting another important win at home to keep themselves near the top of the table, but Inter now have a six-point gap over them in the title push. Yeah, good luck, AC Milan. Have fun <laughs> with that one. And they now have a very tough game against Newcastle in the Champions League as well on the final match day, which we'll talk about later. Moving on to Germany in the Bundesliga. RB Leipzig 2, FC Heidenheim 1. A Luis Appenda penalty and a Yusuf Pulse of second helped Leipzig to a comfortable first half, uh, with Heidenheim striking right before halftime. But despite the goal, Leipzig looked very good and dominated almost the entire game. Uh, Just could not add to their lead. Moving on, VFB Stuttgart 2, Werder Bremen 0. Another goal for Denis Undov and Sirho Garassi continued his tally from the penalty spot with both players having incredible seasons in terms of goal scoring and they continue their good form. And now a slightly obscure result we're picking up here, the <laughs> U-17 World Cup Final. Come on, man. It's a World Cup Final. I had to throw a World Cup Final in there. I didn't say it was bad. <laughs> we just don't usually cover this. Uh, Germany U-17-2, France U-17-2 with Germany prevailing 4-3 on pens. Sound familiar much, France? <laughs> uh, a wild Youth World Cup final that saw four goals and a red card. Germany found themselves 2-0 up before the French battled back with two second-half goals. And despite holding 65% of the possession, the French were outshot 7-5. Can I just say, how much deja vu can you get in two games? France. I was going to say, this is now two French national teams that have lost the World Cup final in the span of 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I think also important to note, again, these are children. They are at least three years younger than us. Um, well, wow. They'll be able to lose it again in the next three years. <laughs> hey, Anyways. We've never lost the World Cup final. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we are going to kick it over to Sunday now, back to England in the Premier League, where it was Bournemouth 2, Aston Villa 2. Bournemouth continued to impress me, I cannot lie, having a sneaky run of form this season and love a test against the bigger clubs right now. Villa have been playing some very inspiring football under Unai Emery, but Bournemouth were cruising to a 2-1 win before Ollie Watkins bagged a 90th-minute equalizer. Chelsea 3, 2 for Brighton, and wow. Barely avoiding embarrassment on Sunday, Chelsea narrowly escaped Stamford Bridge with all three points and were honestly played off the pitch for large portions of the match by Brighton. Two first-half goals certainly helped the Blues, but the red card to Conor Gallagher certainly did not, as Brighton dominated the second half on their way to almost 70% overall possession on the day as Chelsea missed the presence of that extra midfielder. A win is a win. A win is a win. Hey, man, three points is three points. Well, hopefully you can get more of those soon. <laughs> <laughs> about West, that. <laughs> West Ham won. Crystal Palace won. A very weird and uncharacteristic draw at home for West Ham. The handshake at the end of the game between Roy Hodgson and David Moyes felt like a grand summary of the game, if I'm being honest. Like a handshake between two proper old school gentlemen that just played to a horribly boring stalemate in a chess match. Well, they say a perfect game of chess and a perfect game of soccer end in a draw, and there you had it. <laughs> a perfect game. Over to Spain and La Liga again now, where it was Sevilla and Villarreal were in a fight to see which club is in worse form right now. <laughs> Guess what? They couldn't decide. They ended in a draw. It was 1 1. Fitting. They're both horrible right now, so I'm <laughs> glad that neither one of them pulled three points out of this game. Serie A, Fiorentina 3-0 Salernitana. Another very impressive win at home from Fiorentina and Serie A. Three different goal scorers led the way as they now breathe down Napoli's necks for fifth in the league and a Europa League spot. Sassuolo won 2 AS Roma, and by the way, Jose Mourinho's Roma, who started the season off so rough, if you remember that, mm-hmm. they're now up to fourth in the table in Serie A after completing a two-goal comeback late in the second half against 10-man Sassuolo. Fair enough. Napoli nil, three Inter Milan. Things go from bad to worse for Napoli. They had Real Madrid on the ropes in the Champions League for portions of that match last week. Now they've gotten walloped at their own house by what feels like the champions elect in Syria. 
Inter are playing some scintillating football at the moment, and it's going to take one heck of a performance to stop that train in its tracks. Over to Germany now, where it was the Bundesliga. We had a massive matchup between Leverkusen and Dortmund. 1-1, that one finished, and well, that is not the result that any of us predicted from that game. Dortmund have been nothing special this season, so for them to walk into Leverkusen's house and walk out with a point is a massive statement. Victor Boniface scored his eighth goal this season to salvage a point for Xabi Alonso's Leverkusen, who actually, I can't lie in this game, looked to be on their way to their first defeat of the season. Yeah, looked they looked shocking. Uh had a good mentality, I think, to be able to walk out of there with a point, but uh, did not look like the team we've known to look uh, to be loving this season. Last one from Sunday, it's France and Ligue 1. We had PSG beating Le Havre 2-0 on the road, and with OGC Nice's slip-up defeat to Nantes the day prior, PSG now have a four-point gap at the top of the French top division. Good luck catching them now. <laughs> Going over to Tuesday, we only have one one good game here. It is Wolves 1, Burnley 0. Boy, oh boy, you had your fun last week against Sheffield United Burnley fans, and you have come crashing back down to earth. <laughs> Huang Hee Chan scores just before halftime after a really, really uh, quite shocking giveaway at the back from Burnley. They, We know that they wanted to try to play that, uh, and they were punished for it. Huang Hee Chan having a great season with Neto, the two wingers of Wolves, looking great. We're going to head over now to Wednesday, back into the Premier League. Brighton 2, Brentford 1. Brighton will, Brighton will definitely feel good about themselves after pushing Chelsea to the limit. Uh, they might feel a little uh, uh, upset about not winning against the 10 men, but they do, showed absolutely great character here against Brentford, who again have yo-yoed back to their uh, casual losses. Uh, Brentford had gone up, I believe, through a penalty, but Brighton did really, really brilliant to fight back. Uh, great, It was a really great win at home for them. We're going over to Crystal Palace, nil, Bournemouth, two. Yet another performance, uh, a, a really impressive performance here from uh, Bournemouth. Uh, it was, I believe, Marco Sensi's first half strike. Uh, it was a good indication of Bournemouth's first half efforts, putting on good strikes. And then Kiefer Moore scores his first goal in a year. That's right. And I believe it was against the run of play in stoppage time where Crystal Palace was were really turning the screw. Uh, so good character from Bournemouth, who uh, we I think we're probably uh, relegation favorites going one of amongst them going into the season after they sacked Gary O'Neill looking really good right now actually so uh, credit to them Fulham bounced back after their after the loss against Liverpool well it's a disappointing way to lose I think it showed good character they and had, that they had to take here. out their frustrations from oh, Anfield yes. on somebody didn't they absolutely and Nottingham, Forest, Nottingham Forest caught who, the brunt we, of that sort we mentioned earlier having some defensive woes and boy did they have some defensive woes here another team that are going to be feeling good here um Alex Awobi uh, and Raul Jimenez. Oh yeah, Raul Jimenez is back. Both of them scoring a brace. Awobi with a nice, uh, an excellent goal, uh, tapping it in. Jimenez uh, getting past the last line and smashing it into the top corner. Uh, uh, more goals from them, and then Tom Kearney at the end uh, with a again poor giveaway, but great series of one twos to just pass it around the players. Absolutely send it in. Great win from Fulham. Marco Silva's back up. Sheffield United nil. Liverpool 2. Uh, Chris Wilde back in the Premier League. And boy, oh boy, is this a, a, a shame for him to get his first game against Liverpool. Uh, they frustrated them a lot of the game. They looked cla- kind of like a classic Wilder performance. It was a um, classic Chris Wilder performance. Um, absolutely <laughs> looked great. Um, uh, Liverpool got uh, had a good corner. And it was odd. It, Vir- Virgil van Dijk scored from this corner. Not from a header, but from a... Kind of half volley, wide open, wide open, wide open. Uh, really mm-hmm. poor defending, which you don't associate with the Wilder team, but you expect them to get better. And then Dominic Sosai uh, gets uh, gets crossed in. Uh, Darwin Nunez loses the ball, wins it back brilliantly, sends it in, and what could have been a tap in. Sosai continues a, a streak of screamers by saying, instead of tapping it in, smash it towards the <laughs> keeper, top corner. That was not needed, but brilliant. Anyways. That was right after too. He had just gotten into some on the pitch fight with one of the Sheffield like midfield. Right, right. And I they could, were like going nose to nose with each other, and Sobosly just looked down and laughed at him, and then went down the other pitch and smashed it top corner. <laughs> so no need for it, except for the fact that it's big. That's Liverpool's number eight. Then into an absolutely uh, brilliant game here: Manchester United two, Chelsea one. And by the way, that's not actual brilliance. That was uh, this was maybe the sloppiest game I've ever seen in my life. Really poor from both sides. 
Both of them were begging the other to please win it for them, but neither, uh, but only Man United finally accepted their gifts at the end. Not for nothing, I know we've talked a lot about Man United's failures this season. Um, I want to point out, by the way, um, Eric Ten Hag currently has... Yeah, small small sample size, but currently has the best win rate of any permanent Man United manager. Keep that in very mind. They're up to fifth, three size. points off Man City. But very small sample take, size. Need a bit to respect um, that stat. Yes, but Spursy, 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 written all over it, man. That uh, that's how we talk about these teams. But they're currently on points with Ange Postecoglou's formerly table-topping Spurs. Um, so take that in for a moment. There, they're actually, I believe, above them currently um oh yes prime nar nine is back oh sorry misread this here this says scott mctominay scores <laughs> twice for manchester united once to put them up once to win it holy moly does he love uh, does he love these goals here uh he now has more premier league goals this season than liverpool striker darwin nunez and man city striker and this one's quite shocking Julian Alvarez, who's been having an absolutely amazing season. So, Scott McTominay, goal-scoring monster. Chelsea leveled the game just before halftime through a really, really uh, nice Cole Palmer goal through a Mudrick assist. Mudrick, by the way, do not let that assist fool you. Terrible game. Um, had multiple open nets. Uh, 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 same with Nico Jackson. And uh, as, same as always, Chelsea create great chances under uh, under uh, sorry uh, uh, Pochettino cannot finish them to save their lives. Uh, Manchester United, similarly, both could not get the ball out of their back. Both of them could not stop giving it away, but only Man United managed to capitalize on it. I just have to say real quick, I thought it could get, I thought the Newcastle result was bad. This was worse. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, this was absolutely this, shocking. This, this took decades yeah, off my you, life expectancy. How do you feel about Garnacho sleeping Reese James? <laughs> In fairness, he recovered and made an excellent block on him later. So at this point, I really don't care. They all were horrendous. So I'm quite frankly just numb to it. You know yeah. it's bad when Scott McTominay is dunking on your single <laughs> Last match of the day, Thomas. Yes, of course. Then we're heading over to the DFB Pokal where there is another, I'm not going to say super upset, but a bit of a shocker here. VFB Stuttgart 2, Dortmund nil, And just like that, Dortmund have probably lost their only chance at silverware this season. And is loving yes. it. He is absolutely loving it. Um, this is a bit shocking because if we if we look at the German table now very quickly, that means Bayern Munich, RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, and Eintracht Frankfurt all out of the DFB Pokal already. Really shocking scenes. Only Leverkusen and Stuttgart from the top division still in it. All right, now I'm done. It's your turn to take us through the last games on Thursday, my friend. Yep, we only had two results from the Prem on Thursday. Everton 3, Newcastle 0. Um, what the Ooh. hell did we just witness? Uh, the same Newcastle team that went into Paris and got a point out of PSG in the UCL. Probably should have won that game. Should have been 6 from 2. <laughs> uh, the same Newcastle that thrashed Chelsea just a week ago. Brought crumbling to their knees by the incredible power of Deitch Ball. Uh, without the 10-point deduction, Gotta Everton... Gotta love some Deitch Ball, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> without the 10-point deduction, Everton will be currently sitting in 10th in the Premier League, above Chelsea. <laughs> That's just cruel to make Nandan do this one. <laughs> oh, you had so much fun writing this. Um, a sneaky season for um, Sean Deitch. Very bad day for Kieran Trippier. Two terrible errors oh, allowing Everton in on goal, especially after the last week he had. What are you doing, man? Uh, Kieran, Kieran, what are you doing? A rough couple weeks. Uh, but great result for Everton. Moving up out of the relegation zone with this result. Moving on, Tottenham 1, West Ham 2. Another week, another Spursy performance from Spurs <laughs> at home. What looked like a really promising start to the season. How quickly has it all turned around? We understand they're dealing with key injuries to Madison and Mickey Van Der Veen. But in all seriousness, this is getting a bit ridiculous. They should be winning. Listen, they still have enough talent in this team that they should be winning games pretty easily. I've said it once. I'll say it again. You never trust the Spurs early season purple patch. Uh, Spurs have now become the first team in Prem history to fail to win five consecutive games despite going up 1-0 in each match and lose three consecutive home games despite going 1-0 up in each match. Very Spursy. Yes, I'll actually add a statistic here uh, that I was reading this morning. This season, Spurs have lost more games from winning position than any team in the top seven divisions of all of Europe. Wow. 
That is the ultimate Spurs performance. Now, if you look up the definition of Spursy in the dictionary, I better see I better see something about that in there. I want to see that stat. Anyways, we are done with all of our quick, noteworthy news from around Europe. So that means that it is time for Honker of the Week. I really don't want to do it. I think we've given him Honker of the Week twice already, but he keeps leaving me absolutely no choice when I make these decisions. This week's Honker of the Week is awarded to none other than Simon Hooper yet again. This time, the referee's decision was really bad, and if we're being completely honest, only gets worse the more that you look at it. Looked like we were on our way to a perfectly clean, exciting draw between Man City and Tottenham with no controversy, but there just had to be one, didn't there? Man City clear the ball out of their own box, but it falls to the feet of striker Erling Holland near midfield who is fouled, but carries on to clip the ball over the defensive line for Grealish to run onto. Referee Simon Hooper plays the advantage, lets Holland play the pass, the ball falls into Grealish's path, and then Simon Hooper blows the whistle. Uh, what gives, Simon? Only argument I can potentially see is that from his perspective, he couldn't see Grealish through on goal, or he did see it and thought the Tottenham defenders would get to the ball first. What's your take, guys? Uh, baffling. I, I, I don't get why. Even if he does think, I, I have, I have to imagine he doesn't see Grealish. I, of course, he has to see all of the the uh, the players running back. Uh, obviously, uh, the the issue I have with uh, he didn't think he thought the Tottenham defenders were going to get there first. As with holding the flag for when you think it's offsides but you're not sure, just hold the whistle until until it happens because he clearly gets to it first. Right. Yeah. Clearly gets to it first. Yeah, honestly, uh, very atrocious call at the end of the day. I don't know what went through his head. That's probably the most reasonable explanation. Uh, but regardless, uh, the, the calls just keep getting worse and worse day the, by day. The more I look at it, the more it just looks like match fixing to me. Mm-hmm. If I'm being completely <laughs> honest, like the timing of it, the camera angle that they have zoomed in on Simon Hooper as he watches the ball go and then puts the whistle in his mouth. It just doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look good. Anyways, that does it for Honker of the Week, which means it's time for our last segment of the show tonight, Predictions at Pace where I should have been relegated by this point <laughs> in the season already, and Thomas and Nandan have drawn level with each other with only two more rounds of predictions yet to go. Nandan will have two charges by the, uh, by the <laughs> after this. I mean, not, uh, not uh, um, uh, PSG Newcastle and the Man City games now. Hey. All right. Starting us off, we've got Aston Villa versus Arsenal. I have said that Aston Villa will be feeling a little bit hungover off the magic of the City game, and Arsenal are going to go in there and with their game management skills this season, will win the match two one. Um, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go one nil Villa. I, mm. I think I think they've been on an incredible run. I think the 15 home wins is going to happen. I think this is the bump they have to get over. Okay, Thomas. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go two one Villa. All righty, next game: Barcelona versus Girona. I need some points pretty desperately, so I'm going to go for a wild one here and say 2-1 Girona on the road over Barcelona. You know, as much as I love Girona, um, I think Barca is going to have a statement win. I'm going 2-1 Barcelona. I'm feeling a 1-1 boring draw. (laughs) A 1-1 boring draw, Thomas says. Next up, a very exciting match in the Champions League between Manchester United and Bayern Munich. I'm saying this one's going to go 3-2 to Bayern Munich because they haven't lost a group stage game in how many games now? 39? 40? Years. years <laughs> decades? Manchester United are not going to be the first team to break that spell. Nope. No. I think, I think honestly, Bayern are going to run circles around them. I'm actually going to go uh, 3-1 Bayern. Yeah, I was going to go 3-0 Bayern. <laughs> Man United do it. I'm ready. I'm excited. <laughs> Newcastle AC Milan at St. James's Park, where I am saying that this one is going to be a very exciting 1-1 draw. Mm. I think Milan have been poor in the UCL this season, and St. James Park is going to be livid, so I think it's going to go 2-1 Newcastle. Oh, uh, I can see. I, I, I feel like PSG or Newcastle are going to have to push for this one. I can also see a 2-1 Newcastle. All right, last prediction game, you guys. PSG hosts Dortmund in the Champions League. Dortmund haven't been great. I'm going 2-1 PSG. Y'all know how much I hate Dortmund, but they have been surprisingly good in the UCL. I'm going a 1-1 draw. Uh, Nandan picks Dortmund to get a result. Shocker. (laughs) Uh, Dortmund top of the table, actually, as of current. I'm going to go 
2-1 Dortmund. They're going to bottle it, by the way. Both of them are bottlers. <laughs> but That's why I went 1-1. All right, guys. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for here in the studio tonight. If you've enjoyed the show, be sure to follow our socials. You can access the link to those through our Instagram bio at Getting a Bit Messy and send us a message or question to gettingabitmessy at gmail.com and we'll do our best to make sure we find time to feature the message or question at some point in the next episode. I, as always, have been your host, Connor Donovan, joined by my wonderful co hosts and football loving friends, Nandan Nair and Thomas Pudiak. And we hope to see you all right back here next Friday, December 15th at 9 p.m. for the season finale of Getting a Bit Messy.